I can't believe I've been doing this podcast for one year already. The time has absolutely flown by and it has been so much fun. I've met so many awesome, interesting people that are now my friends and it's just been so awesome. And I want to thank all of you guys who have been listening or watching my podcast, The DVO Show. It means absolutely the world to me. It is one of the most humbling things to know when I when I find someone that tells me that they've been enjoying the podcast or they've been listening to the podcast or when I get a notification that someone new has subscribed to my, my YouTube channel. And I really want to thank you guys. It, it, it is very humbling and I am super grateful because obviously you don't have to listen to me. Uh, obviously, there's other podcasts out there that are way more popular, but maybe because you're my friend or you're friends of my, my guests or, or you are enjoying the show, Truly, truly, thank you so much. On this episode, because it's one year, I am going to replay my first interview. Actually, I shouldn't say my first interview, my first broadcasted interview. And that's with Utah's very own Fox 13 Big Buddha. On this one, I actually am releasing the entire interview because our interview was a little bit longer. I did kind of trim it. Uh, to fit in the podcast. I try to keep it within an hour. But on this one, I'm going to release the whole entire interview. Thank you guys so much once again. Enjoy. How long have your other episodes been? About an hour. Oh, good. So I'm trying to keep it like 30 to an hour. Yeah. They, they, I read some words said like 45 to, to an hour is about perfect after yeah. that you start to lose people yeah. after the hour. Yeah, it's just getting a little too yeah. long for them. They're like, I've been invested in this it's too such long a, now. It's such a, like a, it's almost like a fine line. You know, they say you don't want it to be too short because then people, ah, it, it's a waste of my time. You know, and then yeah. you want it to be too long, ah, waste of my time. You got to get it right in between 45 and I'm like, man, what the <laughs> who, who does these studies? Right. What the hell? What else do you got going on with your yeah. life? doing these studies. Crazy. All right, welcome to the DVO and Etna show. And so we are here with the most talented, <laughs> most known character on Utah television, and that's Fox 13's Big Buddha. Hey, what's up? How you doing, D? Man, I'm so Fox glad. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, me and Buddha have been friends for a long time. A long time. And I'm so happy. In fact, he even gave a shout out to our daughter on her birthday. <laughs> that was hard for you, right? When you saw her name, you were thinking, "How do I say pronounce this?" You know what you're yeah. thinking? I was, I was thinking, "What the hell?" Yeah. That's what I was thinking. And, and my wife says it better. So say our daughter's name. Quetzali Jimenez. Quetzalim. Quetzalim Jimenez. Quetzalim Jimenez. Very good. Quetzalim. So I yeah. try to text. Why didn't I have that when I was doing the shout out? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It worked fine. <laughs> it worked good, and she was so surprised that morning. And I posted on Facebook, uh -huh. and everyone was started thinking like, "How the heck did you get yeah. him to do that?" I'm like, "We're boys." Yeah. And they're saying, "Is it like a Polynesian thing?" I said, "Well, not Polynesian, yeah. but yeah. Filipino, close enough." Well, Islander Filipino, thing. yeah. thing. <laughs> I was like, "That's what it is." Yeah. <laughs> no, so we always appreciate real friendship. That love. No, no, real friendship. Yeah, we we go back, and so I'm super excited that you're on. Uh, our show, you're one of our first guests, and so we're super excited. 
So we have a few questions. Yeah. And we want to know kind of the background of Big Booty. You you are not from Utah, right? I, I'm not from Utah. But, but before we start, yeah. to break down a little bit for me what your podcast is about. What, what are you hoping to get out of your, your guests on your podcast? Well, what we want to do is we want to interview people crushing it in their field. And you are definitely crushing it in your field. Okay. <laughs> and so we want to hear your stories, maybe even some adversity to get where you're at. Because mm -hmm. let's be honest, there's not a lot of Polynesians or minorities on broadcasted TV. Yeah. And so we want to hear if you had to go through any of that, what you had to do to break through. Okay. And, and everything like that. So let's start. In sure, the let's, start let's start with a, with a softball question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were, you were raised in California, right? Yeah. Um, I was born in San Bruno. Uh, it's up in the Bay Area, okay. California. Um, He's got his Raiders hat on. It's, it's, I'm a Raiders fan. Yes, sorry, I know, but you know you can't help who you who you root for. Um, at the age of two, my parents moved us to Compton, California. Okay. Uh, we grew up in a place called Park Village. Um, it was a nice neighborhood, and then over the years, it kind of eroded. And my grandfather was the first non-white uh, to move and live in okay. this neighborhood. And then I guess there goes the neighborhood uh, because then it you know became like a ghetto right. and a project. Um, at the age of 12, uh, 13, my parents moved us back to Samoa. We went to Samoa. Okay. Um, you know, we're LDS. Uh, my dad uh, got a job or calling, whatever you want to call it, to be the principal for the church college. So okay. we went back. At that time in my life in California, things that were important to me were sports. You know, I was going to play football, um, nice. mayonnaise, uh, <laughs> ketchup, <laughs> peanut butter, running water, you know, all of those things. You right. name it. Yeah, all those things went away. We went to Samoa. Uh, it was a third world country. No electricity, no running water. Wow. Um, you had to dig your own bathroom. Oh, you know, or outhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was... It was like a culture shock, you know, and th things that I took for granted in America back then in 83, 83, 84, I, I didn't have it in Samoa. I was like, yeah. oh, where's, there's, where's the fridge? There's no right. fridge. Oh, oh, no gosh. fridge? How do you keep stuff? You've got to eat it and eat it all. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. Yeah. So. Because it's hot there too. It's, it's hot. It's humid. You know, you're sweating. I mean, you're sweating in places that you don't even know yeah. can sweat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, that's sticky. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very, it's very hot. Um, but that kind of changed my, my thought, you know, as far as like uh, how I grew up. You know, we weren't, we weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination in California. Okay. In the Bay Area and Compton. We were, um products of the system okay we, we had welfare uh we lived off of food stamps um my dad wow. tried to work as much as he could but okay. but his main focus was school uh, my dad along with another gentleman i can't remember who his name is uh were the first polynesians to graduate from cal state dominguez oh, hills wow. in carson oh wow that's pretty yeah. cool my dad graduated with a couple of degrees two bachelors and a master's degree in education uh, with an emphasis on curriculum. Wow. So, you know, his focus was going to school, getting his degree. In the meantime, you know, some people might look at that like, wow, how could you focus on school when your family is suffering? You yeah. Know? I, I didn't know I was poor. You know, okay, I was like, all right. You, know, you just grew up around that. I, I grew up poor, but we always had food. Okay. I didn't realize that if you shop 
on the first of the month, okay, it meant you were on welfare yeah. on your food stamps. You know, every first of the month, we'd all go to the store, come back, and just pack the fridge, right? And then we'd yeah. have to try to wait and try to, you know, uh-huh. ration the food out. Exactly. Um, but I knew, I kind of figured we were poor when I took lunch every so often to school. Okay. And I didn't have a lunch pail. You know, my friends had lunch pails. You had a brown bag? I didn't even have a brown bag. That's how poor we were, (laughs) bro. You know the bread bag? Yes. Right? You take out all of the the bread and Uh, you put your sandwiches in it and you twirl it around. That was my my sandwich bag. Okay. Yeah. And no chips, no drink, none of that. No service, just... Just two sandwiches. Like bologna. bologna. Yeah. Just bologna and mayo. Now, if we got, if we got like, um, if we got uh, uppity, uh-huh. we, would, we would fry the bologna. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right, you fry it and then it bubbles up like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So, and the edges all curl. And... <laughs> yeah. So that was, I mean, you know, but going from California to Samoa was a culture shock. You know, I thought I knew what poor was. Yeah. I mean, there were kids walking around with no shoes, no flip-flops, uh, just a loincloth, no shirt, wow. no underwear. Yeah. You know, and it just, I, I, I'd never been exposed to anything like that before. Wow. It, was, it was all new to me. So it, was like, it was like your culture, but culture shock. Yeah, my culture, I was, I was shocked by my own culture. Yeah, exactly. You know? So not only that, but I couldn't speak the language. So okay. I can understand a little bit because my parents spoke it at home in America. Mm-hmm. But when we got there, that's the only language they spoke. Yeah. It, was, it was really, really tough to to understand. And I got, I don't know if I was bullied. I guess they would call it bullying today. But I just got ridiculed a little bit uh, because they couldn't, a lot of kids didn't understand how I was a Samoan. Okay. But couldn't speak Samoan. Right. Yeah. You know, I couldn't speak the language. Right. Right. You know. I'm paraphrasing the conversation. What, yeah. where, where, where are you from? Oh, from California. Are you Samoan? Oh, I'm Samoan. Oh. Then they start speaking, well, why am I? I'm like, oh. Right. <laughs> well, how the hell are you Samoan? You didn't want to speak Samoan. Yeah. I'm like, I'm Samoan. That's all I know. Right. You know, so I got, I got ridiculed a little bit for that. Okay. But not too much. It didn't, it didn't bother me. Um, I, I feel like it didn't bother me. Okay. Um, but I spent my high school years in Samoa. And uh, I served an LDS mission in Samoa. Okay. Oh, wow. Yep. I know. Yeah. The church accepts all kinds of people. <laughs> Even people like me. And now so you speak it then, right? I speak it. I'm fluent. So I wow. speak it. I read. Awesome. I write. But that didn't happen until I, I served a, a mission. Because you know, I had to be out in the boonies and with yeah. people. And many of them, I would say, if I had to put a percentage on it, 99% of them did not speak English. Okay. You know, so... You had to learn the language really quickly. How about now? What's the percentage speaking English now? How's the territory? I would say everybody has to has some kind of English now. Okay. You know, because of so much outside influence. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So many outsiders moving there to live. It's, it's so tough. I would say it's tougher to find someone who doesn't speak English in Samoa um, than it is to find someone who okay. speaks, uh, who... Uh, um, who doesn't understand? Yeah, you know, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So now there are lots of people that speak English. You know, right. and things are a lot, a lot simpler. It's still a third world country, developing yeah. country. Uh, there's still places that have to go get their water from the well, um, that don't have electricity, wow. that depend on the village to supply a generator for lights for maybe two or three hours. 
When was, when was the last time you went back? Oh, shoot, man. I left in 92, and I, I, I didn't look back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look back. Hey, have you ever thought about yeah. taking your kids over there, maybe even humbling them a little bit sometimes? You know what? That was, the, that was probably the biggest thing that... I'm not saying anything's wrong with your kids. No, 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 no. It's, it's, no, no. We're, I, I know exactly what you, what you mean when you say that, because yeah. my parents, although they didn't take us back for that, I learned that the most, yes. you know, gratitude and how yes. to how to save and scrounge and not waste anything. Right. I mean, I went there and I was a kid who ate my chicken, for example, a drumstick. Yeah. I just ate the meat around the bone and, and that was done. There's meat yeah. on the top, there's meat on the yes. bottom, right? And they're like, oh, I'm full. Oh, I went to Samoa and I'm like eating the cartilage, <laughs> I'm biting on the bone to suck right. out the barrel. Yeah. You know, because that's what the kids do. Exactly. You know? And and I, I just kind of assimilated to the lifestyle in Samoa. And I did I walked barefoot, uh-huh. I had a loin I mean we were right. it wasn't like just because we came from America, we were the, the richer. No, we were living like everyone else. Wow. Yeah. So it it made me appreciate everything that I had. And so when I came back to America, <clears throat> excuse me, after graduating from junior college, um, I would I would save food all the time okay. because that's just how yeah. I, I became accustomed to right. it. You know, oh don't oh don't throw that away. Exactly. Somebody will eat it. You know, it's uh, a piece of pie or it's French fries. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be horrible later. Oh no no, have you ever been hungry? <laughs> Nothing's horrible. Yeah. When you're hungry. Yeah, you it's like true. to appreciate things more. Yes, and and you and you understand that. It's you're only going to have this chance. This is this is a, a, a now situation. Right. You don't know when you're ever going to have these fries or right. this yeah. hamburger again. That's yeah, true. So save it. You know, cherish it. I, I learned that from living in South Wall. That's true. Last year we took our daughter with us to Mexico. Yeah. And we had to go through the border area first and spend a couple of days there before we went down to uh, Mexico City. Yeah. And I think she experienced that when she you know she would see a little bit of the side of the world that's, you know, Mexico's not a third world, but they're not, yeah. obviously they're trying to come into the US, yeah. and she would see in that border area, yeah. people on the streets, and they're scrounging, and the houses are falling apart, you know, and I think she saw that, and it's almost like a humbling experience for the kids to say, you got it so good, Yeah, you've got it so good, you have a TV in your bedroom, Yeah. You have Wi-Fi unlimited, you know. You have water. You got water right. anytime. Any toilets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Toilets. Yeah. Toilets and toilets. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So I think it's good sometimes for the kids to experience that little bit. Yeah. I would that humbling. So to answer your question, I would love to do that for my kids, but it's expensive, you know, yeah. to, to go to Samoa. I would say it's about a thousand dollars a person round trip and oh wow yeah. you got to get passports and you got pass you know yeah, yeah but i know my kids want to go so maybe one of these days when uh you know i win the lottery yeah or, or big and wendover we can take the whole family but right, remember that kids when lottery and wendover <laughs> dad's taking you <laughs> dang it you know forgot you recording <laughs> but i i'm so appreciative of my parents taking us some it really helped even to this day Excuse me, my wife. Uh, sometimes I do stuff. She goes, "Why do you do that?" I'm like, "I don't know. That's just what I do." Right. You know, or my mom does something. You know, and why? Why does your mom do? That's that's how we raise it. Does she know you can? This is America. Like, yes, but it's hard to yeah. get away from you know those humble beginnings and yeah. those humble um, attributes. That's true. You know, and, and try to. 
I, it's tough. Even, it's so tough for me to see my kids oh uh, eat chicken because they eat like they're in America. They're in America. They're yeah. American right. kids. Yeah. And they eat it. I'm like, all right, just put just put those aside. I'm like, Dad, what do you? Just I will eat those. It's already no, no. There's plenty <laughs> of meat on those bones. Yeah. So my kids are embarrassed sometimes. But I'm like, I, I don't even care. Yeah. I don't even care. But you guys don't even know. Yeah. You have no idea. So what did you learn from that experience towards your success now? Um, every opportunity. That's a that's a great question. Um, that not only did it help me be more grateful for you know the things that we have around us, but to appreciate the job that I have, you know, the moment in time, yeah. and whatever I'm doing, and because you never know, it's it's always better to have a job than not to have a job. Right. And you can be struck with uh, injury and illness. And then you won't be able to provide for your family. So, whatever job I've been in, I've always um, try to do my best to provide a, a living uh, for my family and just appreciate that I have a job. I mean, all the jobs aren't equal, you know. Right. Um, so I worked for I had a job that was five dollars an hour. And some people were like five dollars an hour, and I was like, no, five dollars an hour. Yeah, yeah, y'all don't even know. You know, um, I mean, it's in in Samoa. You were lucky if you even got paid money for yeah. a job. Sometimes, a lot of times, you worked, and a meal was provided for you. Okay, and that was your payment. You know, you just had lunch, and then in the evening you get dinner if you were working on a house construction or whatever. And that was it. And you were lucky to, to even get something to eat. Wow. So, um, I mean, obviously there's a town and people went there to go find jobs, but my life in Samoa has taught me to really appreciate uh, not just the things that we have, um, worldly things or secular belongings, uh, but, but to appreciate those things like a job. It's, right. You never know. You, you, you could uh, be stricken with something in not have the ability to work so that's true right, that makes sense. yeah i wake up every morning thinking man i can't believe i still have a job or i'm, I'm awake and you know alert and i'm going to go to work oh that's great that's a great attitude to have about it you just grab you hand it over buddha real quick let your not stop it on us okay good the screen turned off and it's got a little bit <laughs> there. So we made it. How did you just start broadcasting? So can you talk to us a little bit about how did how did you start broadcasting? What came into your mind to start that career? Um, it it was a kind of like how we talked about this, you know, yeah. before the, the show, how your mind was racing. Yeah. And you wanted to do something about it. I've always wanted to be on the radio. That was my my job. So uh, when I was a kid in California, I used to listen to, um, let's see, KJLH, Mighty 690, um, um, what are some of the other stations, uh, KISS FM, you know, yeah, I, I listened uh -huh. to the classics, yeah. and I just, something about the way the DJ talked to, to me, okay. I felt like it was just talking yeah. to me, uh -huh. you know, back in the old days. Of Rick D's, oh yeah, you know the Baker Boys. Uh -huh. I just felt like when they came on the radio, they were talking to me, and it was just me. I was a private audience, you know, and I felt like 
man, I want to do that. I want to be able to touch, uh, not like that. I want to be able to, <laughs> I want to be able to reach out to a kid who's not sitting like at home. Not, not like that either. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, just to kind of motivate okay. and inspire. I mean, because I I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, when I was a kid, I, I wanted to play play football, but when I when I sit and listen to the radio, I'm like, man. He has an effect on me. These guys have right. a, have an overwhelming effect. I want to do that. I want to okay. be able to affect a kid. I want to be able to say, "Hey, get out, do your best." And the kid's like, "Ooh, yeah, I want to go too." Okay. You know, I imagined myself doing that. That's pretty cool. So, um, let me see. What what year was it? It was 1995, and we're living in uh, Lincoln, California. It's a, okay. a it's a suburb above Sacramento. Okay. And. My wife and I were both working at this, uh, for Hewlett Packard. It's a oh. refurbished plant. Okay. Um, I can't remember the name of the company. Anyway, our, our job is they bring in uh, computers and you refurbish them. You take out motherboard, you resolder, you know, you make it look pretty and you send it back out and you resell it as refurbished okay. units, yeah. right? Um, I think we were technically uh, computer techs, but okay. I. I didn't do anything. <laughs> so there's a radio station on in Sacramento uh, called uh, KSFM 102.5. Okay. And the morning show that we listened to all the time was the uh, Davy and Chris, Chris and Davy and uh, Juan Valdez. It was the my most favorite morning show. Okay. And I, I I'm an adult. Uh-huh. You know, we're married. We have kids, and I would listen to them, and I felt the same feeling that I had when I was a kid when I listened to this morning show. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna find a way to okay. follow my passion. Um, I'm, I'm going to school, so I'm already trying to be a communications major, you know, doing that stuff. And then one day, uh, me and my buddy who were there, my name, his name is Mike, Mike Sapa, we faxed in. So on Friday, they had Flashback Fridays, and they okay. would ask, hey, why don't you guys send in your requests, and whoever requests we read and it's really good, We'll, feed, we'll give you lunch for your whole office. Oh, wow. So me and Mike write up this first uh, draft, and we called ourselves the Polynesian Players. Okay. Is what we call. Because <laughs> we're thinking, you've got to put something down to grab their attention, right. right? So Polynesian Players, and we requested, like, Earth, Wind, and Fire, nice. some uh, Bad Mamma Jamma, Carl Carlton, yeah. right? And it made the air. Like, oh, oh, this one comes from Lincoln. And these two dudes, they Mike and, and Big Buddha. They, I was just I wasn't Big Buddha, they, I was just Buddha. They just called okay. me Buddha. Buddha and, and, and Big Mike, that's how we were called. The Polynesian players. They read it and then they reached out to us. They called our company and tried to find us because they wanted to use okay. us for a segment and call it a dating advice. Okay. You know, so 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 that's how that happened. So they would call, hey, we're gonna go out to our friends, the Polynesian players, and get some player advice. <laughs> and, and and we would have a weekly segment. So our wow. bosses let us have our break so that we can be on the phone and we would do this bit with Davy and wow. Chris. What do you think about so and so? She says, Dear okay. Polynesian players, I'm going through a rough time with my boyfriend. Uh-huh. I feel like he's cheating on me, but I don't have any proof. He comes home late at night, he takes a shower, you know, and then <laughs> so Buddha, Big Mike, what do you guys think? We think she's paranoid. Just leave him alone. Let him do his thing. Right, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and that's how we got our start. It from that it turned into us coming in studio and okay. doing doing those uh uh those bits. And then it turned wow. in from that 
to Davey asking if I wanted to work in radio. I said, bro, that's that's my dream. I that's want to crazy. be in radio. I mean, when you first got that introduction to do even do the phone call, yeah. I mean, were you just excited? I, I thought I was it. I thought, oh, this man. is it. I'm done. So my awesome. life's complete. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you said we come here. You had your, did you have your own show? No, no. It was, okay. We were just part of the, yeah, the morning okay. show, and it was just on Fridays, you know, just something fun to do. Oh, that's fun. But then Davey reaches out to me and says, hey, bro, you, you got something. I, okay. I know you got something. How about you want to come work for the radio station? You know, and then you can do your bit on our show. But, you know, promotions. We, we could use a really good promotions assistant. And I I didn't even, I didn't flinch. I didn't think, oh, that's not what I want to do. Okay. I'm like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work it and then try to work myself into yeah. to get more airtime. You know, so Dude, that, was, I, that was kind of my I thought. I love that mentality right there. You take your opportunity uh-huh. and then it's like, I'm trying to make it twist go. it though, yeah. Try, try to exactly. twist it. Exactly. So I thought, so when I went home and I told my wife, hey, this is what I want to do, and my wife had the same idea. And I think this is how most people think anyway. Okay. Like, well, promotions assistant isn't, but that's not what you want to do. You want to be on there. How are you going to, I'll find a way. Exactly. But this is our door. This is, yes. this is our foot in the door oh, to get that. in yeah. and, just, and just go get it. So I was the promotions assistant for maybe three months. Okay. Then they made me the promotions director. Okay. Right? And I kept telling Davey, bro, this is not where I want to be. I, I like being on the air. It's like a drug. I, I need to be on more. I need to be on more. And he would find ways to bring me in and just utilize, cool. uh, you know, my, my passion to do this. Yeah. So one day, um, they're putting together a night show, um, a new night show. And it was a guy named CK. And the name of the show was CK at the Bad Boy Broadcast. So I heard that they were auditioning for sidekicks, co-hosts. Okay. And I asked if I could audition. And they said, well, we really like you as a promotions director. You know, can we just, I said, that's, that's not what I want. Right. I'm not gonna be happy. I said, I, I gotta go pursue this. If it doesn't work, if it, backs, if it backfires and I've been told that, you know what, I don't have the chops, I'll, I'll be good. I just, I just okay. got to go give yeah. it a shot. Right. So um, I hear CK, you know, I'm out on the remote. I'm passing out CDs and stickers and stuff like that. And I hear him. Put in the work. I hear CK come on. And I've never heard CK before. He goes, hey, what's up? I'm CK. Uh, Bad Boy Broadcast. I'm looking for a co-host. I'm looking for a street dude. I'm looking for somebody who will do whatever they can to make this show successful. Call in right now. I stopped what I was doing. Yeah. I got on the phone and I called in. <clears throat> I'm on a payphone. Y'all don't know what payphones are. It's just <laughs> quarters and nickels. And, yeah, and then you have an operator. Uh, come on. Dial. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm on a payphone. I called in. And CK answers. He's just answering the phone. He doesn't know that I'm an employee. Okay. He goes, hey, who's this? I'm like, oh, what's up? This is Big Buddha. Big Buddha? That's that's a What kind of name is that? You sell, you sell weed? You sell drugs? I'm like, no, no, I don't sell drugs. I'm actually the promotion director for, for the same station that you're on, for KSFM 1025. He goes, well, you already got a job. What, what do you want? I said, no, man, I'm just asking you, give me a chance. Let me come on and prove myself. I know I can do it. Just give me a shot. Any, I'll do anything. He goes, yeah. anything? I said, I'm telling you, I'd do anything to get a job and be on the air. He goes, all right, well, well, bet. So I go into the office, and I'm sitting in the waiting room, you know, outside, just waiting to, for CK to come in. Okay. Right? 
CK comes in and he sits next. I have no idea. It's CK. Okay. CK comes in and he sits down next to me, and we're just both chilling because the secretary's out. Okay. The door, it's a locked door, okay. so we're just we're just waiting. <laughs> now, um, I look over. Now CK is a black dude, right? Okay. And I look over, and CK has a, a on his cheek. It's a shiny. It's oily. It, okay. it looks It looks like grease. All right. It looks like grease, and it's just me and him. We're the only minorities in the room. And I look over, and I just, you know, I'm just, just being me. I just look over, hey, man, before you go in, you might want to wash your face, man. It looks like you uh, you had a fried chicken or Afro sheen or something. And he just starts laughing. He goes, what the hell did you just say to me? I said, no, I'm just trying to help you out, brother. You know, you look like you just came from KFC, uh-huh. or you're trying to fix up your Afro. And he just started laughing. He goes, what's your name, man? I said, oh, they call me Big Buddha. Around. You're Big Buddha? I said, yeah. Who are you? Man, I'm CK. I'm like, you're CK? So oh, and, and then he he goes and he he calls uh there's no secretary, like I said, there's okay. no receptionist. He calls the, the general manager, his name is Dave David West. Okay. To come and open the door. He doesn't want to okay. wait for the secretary anymore. Dave comes, opens the door, and CK says, Uh, F F the search, this is my boy right here. He's gonna be on. Nice, I got him. Man. And then Bob uh Bob West, not David West, Bob West. Bob looks to me and he says, "What about the uh, the thing, the, the the promotions director thing?" I'm like, "I'm done with that, bro. I'm, this this is what I want to do." I said, "I I will work two more weeks and do that and do this until you find a replacement." But I'm I'm gonna go nice, on there. Nice man. And Bob's like, "Okay, I respect your hustle. I think you've earned your stripes. Good to go." The, now, mind you, this is all within a matter of six months. Wow. wow. Six months from working in a refurbishing warehouse. <laughs> To be a sidekick, <laughs> yeah, on a show, yeah, broadcasted on on the radio, yeah. Oh man, it's it, it's bananas. I mean, it's it's even crazier because we became an overnight success sensation. Yeah, People awesome. loved our show, and I wasn't ready for that. That okay. I was not ready for the eyes. I was not ready for you know the notoriety. Uh huh. Um, ninety five. I'm I'm twenty five years old. You know, okay. so I'm I'm married, but I'm twenty five years old. You know, I'm doing club gigs now, and I'm getting the attention of people. You know, I was not prepared. Okay, I was not prepared for uh, that kind of success overnight. So how did it go then? <laughs> it, it went well. Nothing, okay. nothing ever happened. But I was just saying, you know, I just never, you know, experienced anything okay. like that. Where one day, literally one day. Nobody gave a shit about who I was. Right. Right. The next day I'm on the air and it's like, oh, what's up? You big Buddha? Oh, what's up, big Buddha? What's up, big Buddha? I'm oh, like, you know, then your head's like, Ooh, yeah, right, right. What's up? <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it would happen to everybody. anybody. Yeah, right? I'm sure. Especially plus, at that age, too. Yeah. Plus, plus, I grew up poor and, you know, I would do bar gigs and all my drinks were free. All my yeah. food was free. All those friends of yours? Okay. Those are, I mean, it was. That was back in the heyday of radio where things were just crazy. Right. Parties were crazy, you know, but, but I was married. I, I'm married. Yeah. You know, my wife, we're still married. We had kids, and like I said, the biggest thing was I was not prepared for the overnight success. So we were on the night show, and then we were doing so well, they moved us to the morning show. Okay. And we were doing the morning drive, and then we became really good on our morning show that... The, the TV, Fox 40, started bringing us on okay. to do promos and doing stuff like okay. that. So that was my first experience in the TV uh, in Sacramento. I, I would do basically what I'm doing now, yeah. you know, but just um, it wasn't all the time. 
if it was something special that happened, like a Cinco de Mayo or the Super okay. Bowl or stuff like that. But that's that's how it came to happen. So I mean, tell me when you they told you, okay, you're gonna go on air on TV. Uh huh. Like, did that that scare you? Freak the shit okay. out of me. Freak the shit out of me. <laughs> so they they still let me. The agreement was I could still help out with promotions. I wasn't gonna be the promotions director, but they still wanted me to help out. And I really started building a following. Now, the person that I, um, I think his name is Paul Tuivai. I'll have to get his last name again. Okay. But he was the first Polynesian that I saw on a billboard. Okay. Uh, and he was working for Wild 94.9, our sister station at the time. And I was like, man, I want to be like that dude. You know, he's the first one right. who really conceptualized the street team idea. Okay. That was, that was kind of his uh, brainchild. And he, he really was the person I that could make that made me believe that I could do it. You know, okay. even though I listened to the morning show and it felt like they were talking to me like when I was a kid. Yeah, right. Uh, Paul was really the one that really made me feel like I could do it because I, I look at him, I can relate to him because right. he looks like me. You know, and I thought, yeah. oh, if he could do it, I I could do it too. So he's the one that really pushed that helped me push myself to go after the radio gig. That's pretty right? cool. But I I couldn't believe it. I was I was freaking out when they said, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna let you be on the air. Yeah. And then I was like, Well, how how much money? That's the first thing I yeah. thought about. Like, well, how, how much money are you talking about? Now, mind you, I was making seven thousand dollars a year. Okay. As as a promotions uh, wow. assistant. You know, and then the promotion director, I didn't really get a raise. And then I went from that to making twenty two thousand. I was like yeah, right. yeah, on a come up. 20, 22 grand. What's up? <laughs> but they still let me. They they let me drive the Hummer. You know, remember, you remember the original Hummer yes. that first came oh, out? Yeah. They had a Hummer. Okay. And I drove it everywhere. They had a like speedboat. I know. I mean, it had the station station logo on it, but right. I didn't care about all that. You know, I was like, man, I can't believe I'm making my way. And it just the biggest lesson I learned in Sacramento is I just. You know, I, I, it came too hard, too fast, okay. and I wasn't prepared for all of that okay. success overnight. So that was 95 to 2000, and some of, uh, some of the setbacks I suffered um, was people not really letting me grow, okay. you know, I, I, I don't want. I don't want to sound like. I don't want to sound like I'm full of myself. But the the way it happened was, I would do. I was. I was doing ads. Okay. I was doing commercials and I was doing gigs and my notoriety was sure. building and my relationship with clients was building, and some people saw that and didn't let me, um, because they were my superiors. Didn't yeah. allow me a chance to grow and blossom into my own role. Okay. So. Uh, eventually, I I just had to walk away. You know, wow. um, I I was. So some people, so, some clients would ask for me to come and host like um, a, a night at the bar, you know, okay. uh, karaoke night or something like that. And I was doing so many of those that it became it almost became um, bothersome for some of my coworkers. Okay. And then they would say, "Well, can I go with him?" You know, because like they, they they wanted money. Well, well because okay. I was getting all of the gigs. Now yeah. back then, it was three hundred dollars a pop. 
Okay. And I was doing maybe um, six or seven gigs a, a week. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's that's twenty one hundred extra dollars. And now some yeah. some of them, this is statute of limitation stuff. Yeah. Was under the table. <laughs> okay. You know because you came out and they gave you three hundred dollars under the table and you were I mean, but it was twenty. $100 right. a week. A week extra. And right. at that time, yeah. it's oh, change. 2100 is a lot of... I mean, still, it's still kind yeah. of a... But yeah. back in the, the 90s, early right. 90s, oh, man. So $2,100. You came home with $2,100. You were the man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you ever rolled up in a little wad? I, I had it rolled up, yeah. 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 <laughs> trying to make, my, make myself feel like I'm a gangster. Make myself feel like a gangster. But, but it came to a point where, you know, how come... This new dude is getting all of the remotes. Okay. You know, I've been here X amount of years. How come I'm not getting yeah. the remotes? That's what the client wants, you know? Okay. So it came to a point where, you know, seniority kind of pushed itself in and, you know, uh, kind of pushed me out. And I just saw the writing on the wall that I wasn't going to grow, you know, okay. grow here. So my wife and I decided, well, let's move somewhere fresh, somewhere. Um, and, and my lifestyle wasn't the lifestyle that I had started with, you know, now I had some notoriety, yeah. you know, I've had, I've experienced some success and I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm big <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that kind of feel. And I felt like, you know, my, my, my family life was suffering. Okay. You know, and I didn't realize it was suffering because I'm thinking I'm, I'm successful. Right. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And you're bringing money I'm home. I'm bringing money home. Yeah. We're, we should be good. We're doing yeah. fine. But my family life was the, the, the deteriorating. I wasn't spending time with my wife. I wasn't spending time with the kids. And so, you know, I wasn't going to church anymore, okay. you know, because that was important. Um, right. being, being morbid. I wasn't, you know, I was drinking. I was, you know, just living the life. Right. So my wife and I had a heart to heart. And she said, you know what, let's, let's move somewhere wow. and let's start fresh. Where can we go? We, we, we need you back. If you're not here, this family doesn't work without you. You know, she, yeah. kind of, she kind of put me on check. Right. Is what she did. Good woman right there. And we both thought, Utah, you know, that's a good place. I've heard it's clean. It's good. Yeah. It's a conservative. You can raise families there. Okay. Let's, let's go there. So we came. Did you know anyone here? My sister was living here. Um, and I had some, I have some cousins that were living here. But uh, we packed everything in a in a minivan in Asheville okay. Bay, and in the middle of the night just left wow and we're on the road and my call to my sister is hey we're coming over wow. we're gonna come and stay just just like that yeah you know my sister and I are, are very close that's good and she just whether she admits it or not we came over I don't, I don't know if she was mad or not. She, she won't admit that she was mad or but you know she always said, well, what the hell am I supposed to say? You call me in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, oh, what am I going to say? Oh, no, don't come right. over. I said, so were you upset? No, I wasn't upset, but just know that if you call, I'm going to be there for you. I'm, that's, I'm your uh, sister. That's family. So that's how it, it came to be where we moved here and started to live in Utah. You know, okay. West Valley. I lived in West Valley. And I, it's, it's kind of like, a, you know, you taste a beautifully cooked delicious dish at a restaurant okay right and then you go somewhere else uh -huh. and you expect to have that same dish okay but it's not there yeah right they, they discontinued it or whatever <laughs> okay that's kind of the feeling i had when we moved to utah i i start all over you know yeah i i, I have a career in, in sacramento things were rolling right. maybe we could have just stayed and i could i could fix my attitude you uh -huh. know just 
but it was too late. We were, we were already here. So I got my reel together, uh, my sound check, I got them all together, and I just, you know, sending them out to yeah. see who would bite. In the meantime, I had to find a job. So my first job here was for Mark Travel Agency. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> I, was, I, yeah. Was, I was a travel agent, tra travel agent. I worked that, I worked at Discover, I worked at Verizon, and I was good, I was uh -huh. doing good, you know, I was getting bonuses, but it, there's something, it wasn't fulfilling Which, for me. Yeah, I was, I'm gonna ask about that. I mean, how did, did you feel like you got knocked on your ass, basically, and uh, took like 10 steps back? No, I, well, I guess I did, but, but the way I looked at it was, there's gotta be a lesson in this, okay. why, why this is happening to me. So, so I gotta fix something, what is it that I gotta fix? in order to get back on the path that okay. I was on. In the meantime, I still got a wife, I got kids, yeah. and I got to provide for them. You know, we got to pay rent, that kind of stuff. So I worked at all these odd jobs, and it wasn't till uh, 2000, no, it was 2003, it wasn't, so a whole year went okay. by before I finally got a call from uh, a station, a station manager, Pro program director. I think he was a manager. His name was Sam Elliott. Okay. And he saw my stuff, called me in, uh, asked me if I wanted to be part of this experimental night radio show. Okay. Um, that is eventually going to take the place of a morning show that's been around for a long time. It was right. on Kiss in 97. Yep. And it was the Fisher, Todd, and Aaron yep. show. Mm -hmm. So... All I heard was radio. That's all I heard. I'm like, I'm in. I don't, I don't even care how much it costs. I, I'm in. Because you, you didn't know any of those people that time. I, right? I don't know anybody. No, I mean, me growing up here, I know those people. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's a... I mean, I got to work with them right. you know, once okay. I got to the station, but I had no idea. Okay. But I heard they were, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's oh, I can't remember the name, but they, they were a show that had been around and yeah. everybody loved them. Right. They were really good, popular number one. But something happened. I didn't know what happened. They said something happened. They've gone their separate ways, and we're trying this new experiment. So I'm okay. like, yeah, I'm down. So I was, I was happy, man. I was so happy. But they could only offer me a part-time position, so I still had to work. Okay. And, you know, do part-time radio, and it was called the Rocket Radio Experiment. Okay. Uh, the guy that the DJ, his name was Rocket. His real name is Scott. Um, they put us together. And we just started to like gel. All we right. started to our chemistry was building. And after that was two thousand one, I would say maybe three months after okay. that, um, they move us to the morning show. All right. And now it's Rocket Radio. Okay. <laughs> it was Rocket Radio Experiment. Now it's um, Rocket in the Morning. Whatever they okay. called it. We added a female to our cast. It was uh, Erica Hansen. Okay. Um, excuse me. So that's all three of us. So it's Rocket, Erica Hansen, and myself. Okay. So, you know, it's a new morning show rating. They, they don't really know who we are. Okay. So um, there's a little bit of adversity there. You yeah. know, coming from you know just jumping on and super successful to coming on i think oh it's it's gonna be like clockwork it's gonna be yeah. off the hook you know as soon as i get on it's gonna be just like last just time like just like last yeah. time exactly but it didn't happen and they changed formats they it was you know things weren't going well 
So they moved the radio station, our show, to Cozy. Yeah. And I and I thought, oh shit, we're gonna be moved to Cozy. That's where radio shows go to die. <laughs> because people don't tune in to Cozy for, for the personality. They tune right. in to listen to the soft right. listening rock. And I'm like, shit, I'm out of a job watch. So we were there, we were there for a year, uh, and I don't really know about ratings. Uh, I was doing all I could. I was a, a guy on the street. Uh, we did promos, you know. Anyway, um, I ended up uh, getting fired um, from that show. They said there was not enough, you know, good things happening. So uh, Erica okay. and now his name is Dexter. So they okay. changed, yeah, midway through the year, they changed their name. So De- <laughs> Rocket went from Rocket to Dexter. Okay. And Erica changed her name from Erica to Mercedes. But Big Buddha, well, they couldn't change my name because that's my name, yeah. my moniker. You know, I own that name. Right. So it was funny. Everybody still sounds the same, except now it's Dexter. Now it's Mercedes. Oh, and Big Buddha. Right. <laughs> so our listeners are like, bro, we know it's you. Yeah. You know, your names are different, but we know it's you guys. Yeah. You know, why didn't they change Buddha? Well, we can't change his name. It's his name. You know, whatever. So. <laughs> So I, after I got fired, I went right over to uh, U92. Okay. I basically did my tour of duty. And right. that's where I hooked up with Fish. Okay. Uh, Fisher, you yeah. know. And I started producing for him. And All he right. taught me a lot of things that I didn't learn. Because remember, I, they gave me the job with no yeah. training whatsoever. All right. All right. Right. And I'm learning on the fly. Yeah. But I really learned a lot from Fish uh, during our time together at Power. I mean... I learned how to operate the board. He oh, nice. he helped me about how to talk to guests. You know how yeah. to how to get them to come, uh, bring the best out of them. Right. You know, and have a conversation with them. That was in uh, two thousand two. Okay. Yeah, uh, middle of two thousand two. Um, I started. It wasn't until three, so I'm still working. I'm working at Verizon full time, and I'm. Because I'm now doing the oh, radio, okay. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to try to find a way to transition okay. so I can be in radio full-time. So you were still full. part-time this whole time? I was still part-time. Okay. Yeah, everything's full. There's nothing there, you know, so I'm just, like, working two jobs. I've used up all of my sick days. Okay. I've used up all of my vacation days <laughs> uh-huh. just so I could do this job. So a whole year finally goes by. I'm still doing both jobs. Okay. And then... Um, I get a call from Allie McKay. Now, she okay. was the reporter on at Fox. And she calls me, and she's sick. It's early in the morning. She's sick. And she asked me if I could fill in for her. Wow. Because the guys that usually fill in for her are sick as well. And it was Casey Scott and okay. uh, yeah. Court Johnson. So how did you know how did you know her? Oh, she had come in and interviewed us because we were the new morning okay, show. Okay. And, and after that interview, her and I became friends. Oh, and we right. just, you know, kept in touch. Uh, we worked in the same city, obviously. But she's, I was the, I was basically the last person on her list. Okay. She had called everybody. Can yeah. you feel it? Can you feel it? And she probably like, oh, shit. Okay, I got to call this guy. Right. Bro, can you feel it? She, she was totally sick. And Casey and Court were both sick as well. Okay. Now, we're, we're all friends because we're all in the in, in radio here in Utah. So I knew Casey and I knew Court. Okay. Uh, and Allie and I were friends. So this is at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And, oh, wow. and I'm like, well, okay, sure. Okay, fine. When? 
uh, in about two hours. I'm like, two what? Wow. So that's that's the heads up you give me? What kind of <laughs> shitty friend are you? Yeah. She goes, please, bro. I'm sick. There's nobody else. I need you to help me cover my ass, please. And I said, bro, I've, I've never been on TV before. I don't know yeah. what to do. She goes, just pretend like you're real. Except people can see you. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that shit does not help me. Because sometimes I come into the, to the studio with just uh, pajamas. You know, I, <laughs> today I'm not because I'm going to be on TV. Right. So... So I go and I, I, you know, I go in and I fill in for for Allie, and they like me so much they keep bringing me back to fill in. Nice. Um, another year goes by, um, and they, Allie leaves, and they bring in another girl. Her name is Shauna, Shauna Thomas. Okay. And they keep me on as the fill in guy. You All know, right. she goes on vacation, she calls and yeah. they call me first. So that's why I say when I was at Verizon, I used to ball my sick days. Okay. You know, at the drop of a hat, yeah, I'd, I'd go. And a whole year went by. It's now 2005, and uh, con- Shauna's contract expires, and then they offer me the full-time gig. Wow. Yeah. Now, were you excited when, when you were on TV? How was that feeling different from the radio then? Right. Or was it different? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't different for me. It okay. was, it, was it, it took me back to my uh, growing experience in Samoa. I was... Okay. I was doing anything I could get away with on TV because I didn't know how long this was because I knew I'm just a fill-in, you yeah, know. Who okay. knows when I'm going to be on TV? But somebody could see this, you know. Somebody from out of town could say, "Hey, that's a, I'm, I want to get that guy, right?" Okay. So, what what kind of helped me and I think helped propel me here in Utah was while I was doing radio, okay, and I'm filling in for TV. I got a casting call to be in a local uh, Mormon comedy movie called the RM. Okay. No, no other Polynesians audition. I didn't even audition. Uh, <laughs> so they had open casting call. No Polynesians showed up. Okay. And the guy that I work with, his name is Paul Eagleston, says, "Bro, you should come and do uh-huh. this part for this movie. Nobody wants to do this part. Well, not nobody wants to do it. Nobody's showing up to the auditions. You're Polynesian, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm Polynesian." This is what the part's for. Done deal. I'm going to take care of it. Paul okay. Paul goes and talks to the director, Kurt <laughs> Hale, and says, stop looking. I got the guy for you. So they bring me in one meeting uh-huh. to, to, to see me. As soon as I walk in, Kurt looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, that's the dude. <laughs> now, mind you, I'm, a, I'm big. You right. know, I'm, I'm bigger than I am now. I'm a, I'm, I think I was pushing 425. Wow, okay. I'm, I'm big. But he sees me. He laughs. He goes, yeah, that's our who move. That's, that's our guy right uh-huh. there. So I do that, and it, it takes on a whole other life, you know, because yeah. the Mormons here in Utah, they're, they're behind me because I'm in this movie, and that kind of helped me, oh, that's really you cool. know, a snowball my, my popularity, yeah. so to speak. Um, but to go back to your question, sorry, I, I digress, but to go back to your, your question, I had that same feeling when I was on radio that I was on TV yeah. and, I, and I felt like I gotta do whatever I can to have fun yeah. it's not about me it's about entertaining the person that's watching right. I said I, I, when I'm at home watching the news sometimes some of the stuff I'm looking at ah it's not I have an opportunity to do whatever I want if, if they don't like it they'll tell me yeah, exactly. or they'll fire me right? And, and I'm not even getting paid Yeah. so who cares whatever exactly. you know as long as I don't swear as long as I don't do anything yeah. vulgar I'll be alright so I really went out it just was myself, you know, having fun and not really, I really didn't, wasn't caring about what people thought. Okay. You know, I was just having fun because this isn't going to last. Yeah. You know, 
at some point they're gonna tell me, okay, thank you for your help, but now our our, our girl's back, and we're we're, we're gonna let her yeah. take. It's fine. Just thank you for filling in. But I think it was because people saw that. I can, I can only guess, right? Right. That because of the way I was, not um, pretending, just doing, right. having, having fun, being myself. I think people were able to see that and knew that it was it was genuine. It's, it's not exactly. an act. That it wasn't. And, and when I act. say the biggest character on, on local television, I'm not saying that it is an act. It is truly your personality. Because <laughs> I know you personally, and you make it fun to watch. Well, thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's, like I tell you, I'm on the treadmill in the mornings, and I'm I'm watching the show. Yeah. You know, on the, on the treadmill. So yeah. I always try to think about what people what like if we're watching, and we see this person doing something. What would I say to the TV? Like, man, if I was there, I would have. Do you know what I mean? Cause, yes. Because we all do that. Yes. You know, we all we all don't. We're not always satisfied with what we see, right? Yes. As as a as a human being, and so we always say stuff like, man, if I was over there, uh-huh. I would I would say this or I would do that. So in my head, I'm always constantly thinking about if I'm at home watching, what am I saying to myself? Like, man, that sucks. Don't do that. That's a great way I, to put. I would have done this. You know, yeah. that, I try to think of that, of yeah. what the viewer the would think of. The point of view of the viewer, I, yeah. I like that. I like that. So, and again, I try to, when I do my, my feature stories, I try to do it to have fun, but I, I try to have fun within the context of whatever is happening. You know, like, yeah. if we're having a water balloon fight, right, <laughs> it would be dumb if I showed up with firecrackers. That, that <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense, right? right? But if I showed up in a speedo, hey, we're having a water balloon fight. This, yeah. this is what I'm, I'm, you know, I want to distract you so I can hit you with my water right. balloon, right? You know, stuff, stuff like that. Just, but the rule that's kept me, I think, safe, uh-huh. because you know it could take on a life of its own, right? right? Do go off the deep end. Is I try to think of if it's something that I would say in front of my kids, something that I would do with my kids. Okay. I feel like. It should be safe for everybody else. Now, granted, everybody has a different idea of what they think is appropriate for their kids, yeah. right? But that's that's the only way I know because that's what my dad did with me. You know, he talked to sense. me like a real person. Right. You know, if movies came on and there was making out, I was I was, I was a kid. I'd be like, oh, and, uh-huh. and my dad would be like, what? Why are you covering your eyes? <laughs> that is a young man and a young lady who have a f- feelings for each other uh-huh. and they're they're kissing. What? There's nothing to be ashamed about that, son. So or, early mm-hmm. on. I, I became like that, you know? And if they were swearing, I would, <gasps> my dad would tell me, bro, those are words. Yeah. They have meaning because we give it meaning. Yeah. It hurts you or hurts others because you allow it to hurt you. Yeah. They're just words. You no, know? That's a good point. They're just an expression. And I think that's kind of why I am the way I am because of my dad. That, that, that's pretty cool. And what other things did he instill in you? Um, well, because some of the things you just told me, it sounded almost preacher-ish in yeah. a good way, though, you know? It wasn't, you know, Dad didn't always put uh, good stuff uh, in my life. Okay. Um, my dad was very hard on us as kids. Uh, he was and very... A lot of Polynesian culture is like that, right? It's, uh, you know, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Okay. You know, kind of mentality. Yeah. So don't spare the rod and... You know, lay your hands on your kids as sure. much as possible to make sure you're training them right. Yeah. My dad was, was old school, uh, as old school can be when it came to being a disciplinary. Um, back then, I didn't know that he was abusing us. Okay. 
you know, uh, it could be considered as child abuse. But if my dad got mad and he wanted to discipline us, it could be a water bottle. It could be anything he could could reach to hit us with. Yeah. Slippers, <laughs> uh, wire hangers, wow, yeah. you know, uh, garden hoses, two by fours. I mean, wow. a cricket bat. So, and and I I grew up thinking that anytime I got in trouble, it was my fault. Yeah. You know, I never thought once that my dad was in the wrong. He said, I know I, I did that. I, yeah. I, I deserve, you know, that's, and whether or not my dad put that in my head, I, I still don't know, but that's just the way it was for me. You know, okay. I did something, damn it, I deserve, I deserve to be beat up, you know. Right. Again, I didn't realize until I was an adult, I'm married with kids that, um, that it was it was abuse, right? You know, what my dad did was child abuse. You know, it was border, it was overboard. Yeah, you know, it was too much, and unfortunately, that was instilled into me. Yeah, um, and that became the model of how to raise my kids. Right, I didn't know anything else. Sure, uh, I didn't know that you could talk to your kids without punching them in the mouth. Right, I didn't know that there was such a thing as timeouts. I. I didn't know what the hell time I was. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't know that there was such a thing as, uh, you know, taking your kid out to have an ice cream and talking your problems over happily. Yeah. I had no idea that people did that kind of shit. Right. You know, so I was, um, like, again, so it's years later that I find it comes to a head and my wife says, you know what, we, we got to go get some counseling okay for you because you don't realize what you're doing wow you know and i said what, what are you talking about i'm trying to teach these kids to be hard right i'm trying to teach them to be tough and i, I want them to be good citizens in yeah. this country you know in this state you know i want them to do everything right right and my wife's is like bro you what are you talking you don't know what you're talking about you wow. I, I don't know what it's called but whatever you got you're sympathizing with abuse you don't you don't know that you're yeah. abusing. You don't know you've gone on the deep end. Wow. You know, so we, we started going to counseling and uh my first two and maybe a little bit with my three my three oldest kids, they they really felt my uh my abusive side. Okay. You know, that I inherited from my father. Yeah. Um the number four, number five kids, I never laid a hand on them. Okay. Because by that time, I had gone to counseling. Yeah. And I've given, I've been given coping mechanisms and you know other ways to talk to my kids That's really cool. and work things out. So, it's but it's you hear it all the time with my kids. You know, the older kids are like, they see the little kids do <laughs> right. something and like, what the hell? I would have never gotten away uh, with that. I'm right. like, hey, times have changed, man. Yeah. Be happy. Be happy we're not beating people up. Shit. Right. You know, just, just be happy. But the older kids are always say stuff like that, oh, you yeah. know? And I, I saw that in my, in my family yeah. where my younger siblings never got hit. And I would say, man, if that was us, man, that would punch us in the face, right. man. You guys are so lucky. And he had mellowed out. You yeah, know? yeah, and he never, he never admitted that it was abuse or anything like that. But I think my dad softened up really fast okay. toward toward his later ages. You know, and it, I, he never said it, but I know he regretted just by the way he sure. acted around my younger siblings and then around my grand about his grandchildren. Yeah. you know, before he died, he got a chance to meet my kids uh-huh. and. 
And the things he was doing with him, you know, he was he was more gentle, you know, yeah. more soft. Yeah. Um, he was loving, and I never saw that side. Right. You know, I never saw that side of my father, and I thought, oh shit, this old man has gotten soft yeah. in his old age. I'm like, what's <laughs> wrong with you, Grandpa? You know, no, these are my babies. These are my yeah. grandkids. And I'm like. No, Dad, we were your babies. Right. You know, you, you were tough on us. Yeah. Man. Don't be tough. Don't be soft on these kids. <laughs> he goes, no, these are my grandkids. These are my babies. And he would, to this day, my kids have the memory of him. Every time they would see him, yeah. oh, jump in the car. Let's go to McDonald's. I'm like, what? McDonald's? <laughs> Shit, we never ate McDonald's when we were right. kids. I think we ate McDonald's one time, and it was left over from somebody. But... <laughs> we didn't get no Happy yeah, Meals. We didn't get, no, it was not a Happy Meal. <laughs> Shit. That's so, cool you got to see that, though. I, I really know? got to see that. You know, even though I never heard my dad uh, say it, you know, but I, I, in my heart, you know, as I talked to my siblings, it looked like he had come to realization that he affected our lives in a negative way. Yeah. You know, and to see the change in me, um, would be something, but he, he never got to see the change in right. me. I was, I was the hard, tough, no son of a bitch that I was uh, until he died. Uh, that didn't happen until um, maybe, let me see, let me see, uh, 15 years. It took, it took me 15 yeah. years from, uh, 95. Okay. So, sure. All right. We're going to come to the episode where we're going to ask you some kind of fun questions. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm game. And so I, I think... I think. Uh, Wait. Those weren't fun questions? Those are fun questions, but we're going to digress. Getting your ass beat by your dad. That's not yeah. fun. <laughs> That's not fun. <laughs> we're going to digress and, and go on a different tangent here. And I think, obviously, culture is a big deal. Uh-huh. And so for me to really understand people, I think it's all about culture and food. So the first question I have... If you got round trip tickets anywhere in the world, uh-huh. where are you going right now? Probably to Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Why? Because it's not poor like sidewalks. <laughs> <laughs> I can wear shoes and I have shorts. Um, it's probably the closest to Samoa without actually going to Samoa. And you can get all the foods that you want uh-huh. uh, of home. Yeah. Um, so, But a lot of my family are there. Uh, the family that I know, I have family back in Samoa, but I haven't seen them for years. Okay. I haven't seen them since I was a little boy, and so I don't have a connection with them. But you know, they're they're still my family, obviously, right? Yeah. But if I'm gonna be completely honest, it would probably be Hawaii. All right. And like what it. will it be your last meal? My last meal? Oh, dang! <laughs> not, not trying to be morbid or anything. No, 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 I, I, no, no. If, if I had a last meal, yeah, what last would meal. it be? Oh my gosh! It would probably be. Um, yeah, I know what it would, it would be taro. It would be okay. taro, um, with coconut cream on it and maybe a side of pork that's baked with the skin is crispy. Yes. Oh. You throw some salt on it. You know, the kind that you break. Yes. You know, the skin. Yes. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like chicharrones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something like that. <laughs> Have you had Filipino Egg lechon, bro. I I am well versed in Filipino okay. cuisine. All right, uh, we grew up uh, with uh, Filipino neighbors. Okay, um, and Filipino friends and family. Okay. My brother, my sister in law is uh, Filipino. 
uh, Ponset, Adobo, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Chicken Adobo, Adobe? Adobo, yeah, you Adobo, got it. Adobo, Adobo, um, oh, so good, uh, Blood Beef, uh, yeah. Lumpia, um, what is Those the, the egg rolls, the Lumpia egg rolls? Egg rolls. Yeah, so good. Those are, I've, but I've, I've tried every, even the raw, the raw stuff. Okay. Uh, the, is it beef that's raw? The blood, the, the whatever. The pig. The pig. Yeah. Whatever that was, <laughs> I had it and yeah. I liked it. Yeah, we, we we call it chocolate, chocolate meat yes. because it looks like chocolate, right? And obviously, when you tell foreigners or kids that it's chocolate. blood, they oh, yeah. like they freak out. That's so like yeah. you say, yeah, we they're all happy chocolate. first when you say yeah. chocolate. Then they, they, but it really means blood. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, is that the kind of pig you're thinking about? That like that? Yeah. Yes, like that. Right. You know, where, like where it's that. split down the middle, flat, yes. and crunchy skin. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Now speaking of taro and and uh, Hawaii. Uh-huh. So when we went, me and my brother, we were super excited about poi. Have you had poi? <laughs> yeah, Do you I, like poi? I, I know what poi is. Do you it's, like poi? It's an acquired taste. Uh, yeah. I like fresh poi. I don't like fermented poi. Okay. Well, we went to a luau and we got poi and we were done. We were like, F poi. We were so <laughs> upset because we love taro, right? And yeah. That's a big staple in Filipino yeah. cuisine as ube. well. Yeah, ube. That's yeah. the purple yam. Yeah. And, so we were super excited. We're like, we're going to get so much poi. And yeah. we, we were like, what is this? And like, we'll ruin our trip for a day. <laughs> it's an acquired taste, yeah. for sure. Um, but it holds uh, historical significance for us because um, it's a food that they took that kept well and you could travel uh, true, through the yeah. oceans. You know, they would, they would go exploring and they would take a basket of poi and then the fish was in the water you just pull out the fish and yeah and there you go but it's maybe it makes I, sense i yeah. like fresh poi i don't like the sour poi maybe maybe i gotta try the fresh one oh, yeah I, I the, the fresh one is because they're just mashing it right yeah. in front of you and then that's that's basically See, that's what that's what i need to try the fermented Ooh, only only the hardcore hawaiians <laughs> yeah it was, it was rough i'll yeah. tell you what is good though what we had when we were over there was McDonald's had taro pie. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they have spam and eggs. Yeah, you they know, do. Hawaii still consumes the most spam out of the United States. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's true. And we, we got a couple more here. So what is Big Buddha's guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure? I <laughs> I, I have a lot of guilty pleasures. Okay. Um, but so no, I, know, I know what everybody's going to say. I know what my family, if they're listening, this is what they're all shouting at the same time to the podcast, it's uh, it's kava. Okay. I, I I like to drink kava and yeah. relax, listen to jams. Um, if I'm yeah okay, if we're gonna be honest, it's it's probably drinking kava. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and I love kava. You haven't had it. No, I haven't. It's had like it. dirt water, but it's not that bad. Yeah. I I drink it differently than uh, most people. I mix it with coconut water. Oh, that sounds good. So it's it's pleasing to a first timer. Okay. Yeah. So don't if you're gonna try kava, let's have it with my recipe. But in, in regular water, it tastes like spicy, muddy water. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't mind. I didn't mind it so yeah. much. I guess, but, but it is. Nobody drinks kava for the taste. Yeah. yeah. It's for the for numbing the of the lips. Yeah. All right. <laughs> when your lips get numb, that's when you're like, oh, this is good kava. It makes you. It's a, it makes you relaxed. Your it does. Mind. Yeah, it does. All right. Yeah. And then what's the last question is what is. What is it about Big Buddha that probably a lot of people don't know about, but you're going to say it first here, right here on our podcast? That don't know about? Yeah. Uh, Whether it's a talent or a funny story or... <laughs> I'm, I'm basically, you know, what you see is what you get. Okay. For, for, to be completely honest, 
But you know, when no you safe answer there. When you're in the no no what I what I meant was like when you're in the the media, uh-huh. you know, people will will drum up ideas of what they think your character is like. Okay. Um, or something happened. There's a misunderstanding, and then you're branded. You know, I I don't I say funny things. I say funny situational things. I don't say things to be mean. Okay. But but sometimes people will say, "Oh, that was mean." You know. Yeah. Like for example, we're, you and I both have the same hairstyle. Yeah, bald is beautiful. Yeah. If if we were on camera, I could say to you, "Bro, you you have a nice bald head." Yeah. Somebody could could write in to say, "Man, that was so mean that Buddha said he was uh, bald." Yeah. You know, it's it's those little right. things. Yeah. And I just I'm with you. I, I think. I don't think that's what you're asking me, but that's I don't know why I'm I'm, I'm answering the question that way. Um, that's fine, yeah. But is are you talking about something like a like a secret, like a yeah. unknown? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know anything that interesting. Uh, I. But maybe you enjoyed too much playing with dolls with your daughters, or <laughs> you know, my my girls were not. I think because I was such a a jackass early on. <laughs> my dad's did my my girls didn't after uh-huh. you know, asked to play dolls and all that. It's totally different now, right? You know, but right. but I think early on, I I don't have any of those memories because I I was such a you know I was a, I was a horrible guy. I was so mean and high strung. Um, I like, I like being, I don't like the attention okay. of doing my job, but I relish it because I like talking to people. Right. I like, you know, and the thing is, if, if you say hi to me, right, if, if you were at a store or something, yeah. if, if you say hi to me, I'm going to say hi back, but I don't try to carry the conversation, yes, right? Yes, I got like, it. Let, let, let's show an example. Let's say, hey, like we just met, yeah. we just say hi to me. Hey, Big Buddha, how you doing? Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? Doing good. All right, awesome. That's that's <laughs> yeah. You know, right. I, but sometimes people walk away from that thinking, what what a jerk. I I don't feel like I need to have, carry yeah. the conversation. Well, you don't know them, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll answer any question. If anybody anybody walks up, they say hi. I will say hi to them. Yeah. If they talk to me, ask me questions, I'll answer any questions. I've never, uh, in spite. In spite of what some people think or say, I've never said no to a picture. I've never right. said no to an autograph. I've never said no to any interaction with with any of the public. You know, and funny story. I remember one time we were hanging out at Fat Cats, and so many people were coming up and saying hi to him, right? And offer him, hey, do you want French fries? Woman, give you soda. You want icy? <laughs> you want like they're just <laughs> just trying to give you the world, you yeah. know? And so, local celebrity. I'm like. What about me? <laughs> I could yeah. go for so. He's here because I get him come play over here. Yeah. But but I just you know because my persona on TV because of my relationship with Dan, I'm kind of the jackass. You know I'm okay. the mean cousin. You know Dan, Dan, Dan. It's like me and Dan are brothers. I'm the mean brother who always tries to poke fun at him. But Dan and I really do get along. You, you can know, tell you we're really good friends. I mean you couldn't say those things to someone for. Uh, what how many years for 18 years wow. right for 15 years and still having a good time with that person you know right. at some point if, if if it was mean if it was malicious somebody's gonna snap right, right. <laughs> like, oh you white man can't dance what the hell but yeah, yeah at some point it's gonna it's gonna break but it's it's really uh i have 
nothing but respect and love for that guy. And, you, we, and, just, and we just bounce off. We're both just trying to have fun and be successful at what we do. So, like I said, if, if people... <laughs> I do something on purpose... But I don't do it because <laughs> to be mean is because no. I, I don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. So okay. if I'm walking and somebody <laughs> behind me says, hey, I don't know if they're talking to me. Right. And I just keep walking, yeah. right? I don't ever want to turn around and somebody says, oh, not you. We're not talking to you. <laughs> I'm so motive, right? right? But it happens to be a lot. People from back will say, hey, I don't know if they're talking to me. Sure. And I just keep walking. Yeah. You know, Yo. I st- and I still don't. I'm like, unless I hear my name, I'm not going to stop. So sometimes people are like, what a, what a jackass. I'm like, what happened? You didn't, you didn't say hi to me. But, so make sure oh, we yell, big Buddha. Did you say it? Yeah. You know, or, or if I see you. Like, if I see you here and you say, hey, then I have to address you because I can see you. I yeah. can't see you. Right, right, right. But some people think, hey. Keep walking. <laughs> don't, don't. I don't speed up. I just, I just keep walking. Yeah. Yo. Big Buddha. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Right, because exactly, I, yeah. I, I don't want to be embarrassed. Right. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> so that's that's something that I do. I don't turn around when I hear the first yeah. hey. Makes you know? sense. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. So if somebody calls my name, and I, I just, I turn around, I talk. But like, like I said, if, if you hey to me in the front, I right. I have to hey back. Because yeah. right. you can see my face. But yeah. if, I, if you hey back here... I don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Buddha, I want to thank you again. I love you, brother. Well, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know what you took away from our conversation. I hope something helps someone. Uh, I hope it's what you guys were looking for. You know, uh, but I, I I, could not come. I could not have not. Oh, how I do I say that? I, I could. There's no way that I would have missed this. Because uh, of our friendship. No, I appreciate that. In fact, if you want to share something right now, if somebody brand new wanted to get into broadcasting right now, oh, yeah. that's a good tip you that's, give them. That's a good idea. Um, I do get asked that a lot by young college students and even high school students. Uh, my path to a feature reporter is not the typical path. Sure. But what I've learned from my colleagues, because they have been in the trenches and they've uh, really uh, been doing it all of their lives is uh, creative writing classes. If you want to okay. be a reporter, start with creative writing classes, take Great communication idea. classes, uh, because if you have, like like for Utah, Utah's a good example, uh, you have uh, different stations. You have two, four, five, and Fox. Yep. Right? Those are the main stations. Those, yep. are, four, those are four stations. You have four different TV stations. You have one story, four guys, four reporters, men, four, four females, four males, whatever, four reporters show up, they all have to tell the story, yeah. but you want to tell it in a way that sets you apart from the other three. Okay. Right? If they yeah. all, if all four of them say, oh, there was a fire and people died. Yeah. Right? It's, it's the same thing. Right. So the creative writing classes help differentiate you That's a great from idea. your competition, how to write it, what you saw. Um, an exercise that uh, my communications teacher at uh, University of Utah taught me that I will never forget and I use it for ev- it applies to everything in life is uh, he got four um, let, 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 let me use your cups and, and, and the, 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 the what's you call it the uh, the vitamin water okay okay we'll use we'll, we'll, we'll do three okay okay now these are three people and they're all facing out okay right the fire is happening, but but this person here 
has a different point of view yes. than this person. Exactly. Than this person. They all have a different point of view. Right. They're all facing in different directions. But your job as a reporter is to be able to tell the whole story from a 360 oh, degree yeah. angle. Hmm. Right? So so the, the the exercise was what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? And then it, it went into what do you think he sees? Ah, what do you think he sees? Okay. What do you think she sees? Right? And then it even went to if you want the full story, you're going to have to go here. Yeah. You're going to have to go here. You're going to have to go here. Now your view of the story is complete as opposed to just getting here and just tunnel vision. Oh, I see a fire. I see this. You know, what does the fire look like on the other side? Right. You know, who's affected on that well, side? That makes sense. On yeah. this side, on this side. So that's something that's. Um, kind of helped me with my problem solving when I, when I come across a problem obviously I'm looking yeah. at it from this direction and because of this exercise I okay I gotta I gotta see it from the other point of view that okay what sense. does it look like if I'm if I'm the recipient you know what if, what does it look like if I'm on this side right right mm-hmm. and then it helps me make a better sound decision about whatever it is that's before me I like that that's a good tip right there that's good <laughs> that's good <laughs> That's but great. If if you're looking to, you know, get into broadcasting, you know, uh, communication courses, uh, creative writing courses, yeah. public speaking is oh, that's good is crucial. Too, yeah. Public speaking is crucial. And then just got to love being a storyteller. You know, whatever whatever your style is, how you're going to tell the story, embrace it, embody it, and, you know, take it to town. That makes sense. Man, Thank I appreciate so it. Thanks, Buddha. Love you, brother. Yeah. Love you too, bro. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Thank, Thank you. you.